Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hey guys, on today's show, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jason Cassette, a realtor and former mortgage broker from Regina, Saskatchewan. This interview was recorded at the beginning of February. Calgary market has definitely changed since this recording. So we still had low inventory in February, but the buyers were not as prevalent and people were sitting more on the sidelines. Right now in Calgary, due to the continued low inventory, spring market has arrived and we are seeing multiple offers on many properties again. Some properties are getting as many as 15 offers on them with conditions getting dropped. It's getting similar to what it was like a year ago. I run stats every few days and we're now seeing homes go over asking anywhere from three and up to 10% depending on the condition and location. The craziest listing I saw recently was a detached home in Shaughnessy. It was listed at 415 and it sold for 525, basically $110,000 over asking, which puts it at 26%, which is just insane. The home was actually from the 80s and it was fairly original and didn't even have a garage, but the buyer was from out of province, really wanted it, and just basically put in an offer that couldn't be refused. It's definitely discouraging for buyers right now, but obviously amazing for anybody in Calgary market that's looking to sell. I personally do not see this being sustainable in the long term, but more of a short-term bubble that we're currently in. It's estimated that 18% of people will have to renew their mortgages this year. So we'll likely see some of those homes come on the market now that interest rates are higher and cost of living is higher. We might see some of those properties go up for sale and people will pull the equity out of them. I do really feel that we're in a short-term bubble and it can't last forever. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Jason, I just welcome you to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. Can you tell our listeners where you're at and uh, what you're up to? Yeah, sure. Uh, just uh, here in Regina, Saskatchewan and shooting from my office today and working on real estate for people like every other day, I guess. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into real estate? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, like most young people of the 80s and the early 90s, I kind of left the city and went out to Alberta for a while. So I was out there for you know, quite a few years in High River and ended up in uh, St. Albert, working for the man at a large company and went and took some business management classes that led me into some mortgage brokering. And in 2010, we moved uh, our family back here and uh, was licensed for real estate here. So. Wow, that's interesting. So you're working for yeah. a large corporation. And how long did you do mortgage broking for? Uh, I was in it for almost three years, just long enough to uh, find out that it wasn't for me. <laughs> and then, okay, I got to ask, what made you shift? Because I know stories, there's people that were, they were realtors and they became mortgage brokers, but for yourself, you went the other way. And what's some reasons? Yeah, you know, I think that for anybody coming into a business like this, that is primary relationship driven, when you come out of doing whatever it is that you were doing and get into a role like this, there's a steep learning curve to figure out, you know, what are the right things to be doing in your business? And, you know, most of that is around driving relationships. So if you don't get that curve straight up quick enough, then you're going to have a problem with it. And I think that's whether you're in real estate or mortgages. Yeah, for sure. I, I can see that being an asset, even just for three years, the, you would have learned a lot about the financing side, a lot more than most realtors, right? So that must be something yeah. that comes to you naturally as a realtor now, staying up to speed on what's going on and the changes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's easy to certainly understand what everybody's talking about in terms of the lingo. You know, I stay away from providing specific advice, obviously, around that. But it definitely, it's good to have some insight for my folks and my clients. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I try to listen to Mortgage Broking podcasts, so I'm up to speed and have that understanding. But for sure, it's, it's such a broad 
area and it's always evolving it's always changing so it's yeah you have to be in the game to really understand it yeah i know for sure yeah to be able to you know give anybody advice on even where to start it's good to know that side of it for sure yeah 100 percent. yeah okay so anybody that might be interested in regina i've been there for different reasons over the years uh, i haven't spent a lot of time there but could you start off with just giving us a ten thousand foot view of regina yeah, sure. I'd love to. Uh, you know, I think Regina's kind of got a little bit of a bad rap across the country. I've heard it called uh, different wonderful names, but, uh, you know, it's a pretty, you know, tight knit community here. Everybody seems to know somebody anyway. So it's a fairly small, obviously, we're on a smaller population. I think we're both at 230 to 250K within our metropolitan area. And uh, we have a great growth trajectory. We've uh, been bringing in a lot of people, immigration people from other provinces, lots of uh, work projects and uh, work going on here. Obviously, we are a farming community, but uh, so much more as well. We're close to, you know, a lot of the oil and gas development and uh, precious minerals. And so, you know, in the vicinity here, you know, it's kind of a central hub for a lot of things going on and around the country as well, especially in the central part of Western Canada. Yeah, for sure. You're the capital of Saskatchewan, right? We are the capital of uh, Saskatchewan, and we're located on the Treaty 4 territory. You know, University of uh, Regina is here. Uh, obviously, in Saskatoon, we have the University of Saskatoon north of us here, and fairly centralized in the province, so located right on the number one highway. Yeah, I think there's uh, head offices and stuff there too, right? Corporate head offices. Is there many in Regina? Yes. <laughs> Of course there is. Corporate head offices, you know, we have a lot of primarily crown corporations in terms of, you know, we're the central of the government in the province. So, you know, the parliament is here and the crown heads are here. Sask Energy, Sask Power, SaskTel operates out of here. So, you know, there's a lot of those uh, large provincial corporations that are headed out of the city here for sure. So it must really help drive the economy and jobs, like quality jobs, right? Obviously. Yes, ton of jobs driven around those core and crown corporations as well as government. But there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of diversity in, you know, we've got uh, Evraz and Brandt here. We've got uh, Viterra. So, you know, there's a lot of big corporations that are in the, you know, nutrient and uh, agriculture environments as well. Young's Equipment and... Just lots of local large companies for sure. Awesome. That's great for a city. And then what kind of growth have you been seeing historically year over year? Well, I think that uh, just looking at some of the information that I read that's available to us, I think we see about two and a quarter percent growth uh, year over year, certainly in the city and perhaps around the province. I made a note here that the growth between 2009 and 2019 uh, in the city, just through migration, has uh, increased about 24%. And um, population under the age of 20 has been rising strongly in recent years. We've continued to see a lot of growth through immigration and migration from other parts of the province. And uh, specifically in Saskatchewan, they had a really good program that the SAS party had instilled about that 2015 timeframe, which you know really uh, brought a lot of people here to the city as well, and also contributed to you know people in the schools, people coming for university and also for work. So it's continuing to grow. Yeah, that's great. And the housing, have you noticed like as appreciation been pretty steady then as well on houses? Yeah, I think we have seen a fairly steady increase, Uh, you know, careful to call it the average price, but certainly the benchmark price that we use here in the city has continued to grow. The ongoing challenge that we have in the city is actually, uh, you know, having enough 
product to go around. So, you know, listings remain low and that seems to be, you know, an ongoing story that we've had here for quite a few years in terms of, you know, lower inventory available for people to purchase. Yeah, same as Calgary. We're kind of having the same kind of dynamics here with the low inventory. Yeah, I hear that's fairly common across the... It, it seems country. to be universal. And, and I think some of the factors that have played into that, I mean, if you've locked in at a low interest rate for five years, it's really hard to move up in a property. Like some people, when they outgrow their property and take on maybe a mortgage at almost 6%, right? Basically, your buying power has dropped. And so those type of people are likely going to stay in those homes longer. And, you know, if you're in a condo townhouse, you're likely not going to move up right now anyway. It's going to take some time, I think, for that to kind of work itself out. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, Regina has been, I think, different from a lot of areas of the country. I know that, uh, you know, we had a major adjustment to our market in 2007, which saw, you know, a lot of that growth and a lot of what you're talking about, people getting out of what they're in, new construction, and then a lot of people moving up in terms of, you know, the value of the homes. So that's really continued over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years. It's been fairly consistent in terms of that type of movement. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think it tailors off a little bit, uh, given the lack of inventory and certainly what's gone on with the uh, interest rate hikes in the last year. Yeah, I think some of our buyers are just sitting on the fence and kind of waiting, see if, you know, our property is going to come down more in value. And they're also, I feel like a lot of buyers are just are shopping for a better deal, you know, to move on something that they feel is a good value. Yeah. Yeah, I get a sense of that as well with certain buyers. And I think that the public tendency in these times is to, do just what you said, sit and wait to see if the price is going to change. But what we also find going on here is that with the lack of high quality inventory, we're still seeing property move and change hands extremely fast, especially if it's, uh, you know, priced well. And, um, you know, good property is a commodity, that's for sure. So we're still having situations where, uh, you know, you'll have more than one buyer that are looking at the same property. Yeah, I'm seeing that here too. I booked a showing actually for today. The house just came on the market yesterday and I got a message last night saying property is sold. So I reached out to the realtor. I'm like, uh, you know, you approved my showing. You know, why couldn't we, you know, just maybe give me a notice or something or allow us to view it first. But he says basically we had four offers and it's done deal. So I'm like, wow. Like, so that's still happening in Calgary, but you're right. It's got to be priced right. And it's got to be the right product in order for that to happen, right? If it's overpriced, you know, I've seen people, you know, they had an uh, appraisal done, say, early 2022, when mm-hmm. the market's hot, and that's the number they feel like that's what their property is worth. But if it's a $500,000 property, you could probably take $25,000 off that because of 5% right away. How much the market mm-hmm. has changed, right? That's what we're seeing here. How is it there? Yeah, we're not seeing a huge decrease in pricing, that's for sure. I think our benchmark has maybe moved uh, slightly 2 to 3% downwards but you know again you know i think that uh good property good location and price properly attractively you're still selling property sometimes same day but certainly property is moving pretty good within that 30-day period yeah what is the benchmark price for a detached in regina benchmark price i think we're uh, kind of just over that 305 right now so fairly low on the composite for the benchmark price in 2012 we had uh about 300 and uh, 15,000 and we're still about 320. So we haven't seen huge increases. So there's some stability in the market anyway, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the appreciation hasn't changed a lot. And that's one thing I, in Calgary, you pay a lot more, your benchmark's a lot higher, 
but likely, you know, 15, 20 years from now, that property yeah. is also going to be worth a lot more because the appreciation year, on average, we're about 3% each year. I obviously, this, we've had a bit of a unique couple of years, but. Yeah, and I'm just reading further into my notes here that this says we've had a 12% HPI growth over the three years and 5.7% from just five years ago. So, you know, I think that, that, you know, there is some room, although I would call it more of a steady type of a residential market here. We don't see the, you know, the peaks and valleys, obviously, of larger centers on either side of us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the good news for people is actually the affordability. You guys are way more affordable than uh, what we would be. Yeah, I think that we are probably, you know, top three in terms of affordability across the nation. I know that uh, I think, uh, you know, Winnipeg had some decent pricing and and maybe some of the product out uh, different parts out east uh, on the coast. But um, yeah, for sure. We kind of touched on a little bit, but can we just maybe circle back about the economy there? So likely oil and gas, what other type of resources help fuel the economy? You know, I think that the local area has been in a growth mode for, you know, the last 10 to 12 years. So we've taken on several large infrastructure projects slated. We've just completed a $1.8 billion bypass project of Regina, which sees our truck traffic you know, removed out of the city infrastructure and around the city. And we have uh, thousands of trucks that uh, daily visit our global transportation hub, which is a, uh, a hub that's just located west of the city for uh, major shipping routes. So that's actually a major inland port, which provides uh, central access location for uh, shipping products globally and abroad through North America. We have continuous city projects and infrastructure in the city Three large canola crushing plants have been announced, and two of uh, which have broke ground, Cargill Foods and Viterra leading the way. So, you know, there's another similar crushing plant that's being announced for our federated co-ops out by our upgrader, and it's uh, going to be crushing. Uh, that creates a biodiesel, which is, you know, it's a greener fuel. So that's what those are driven out of. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely a very diverse economy for sure, which is great for the GDP and just for stability keeping jobs, good quality jobs. The university also obviously drives a lot of students there annually. And I'm sure there's student rentals, that kind of stuff that happen for investors, right? Yeah, we've got locally around the University of Regina, there's quite a bit of investment or rental type properties for that. But, you know, Regina is a small place, you know, you can get anywhere in 15 or 20 minutes. So, you know, it certainly expands beyond, you know, that particular area of the city. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's yeah, different than sure. in Calgary, it could be 45 minutes to an hour if you're not, you know, close to the university type of thing, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, we have different areas, you know, where you see the university students renting either, you know, just further south or west of the university or north, even in some cases. Yeah, for sure. Have you noticed, so we talked about inventory as well. Have you noticed, so in Calgary, what's kind of shifted, and it's partly driven by our benchmark price. So the affordability dropped with the interest rates rising. We're seeing more people go after, say, a townhouse and condos are getting a bit kind of hotter in our market. Have you noticed any difference or is it kind of just low inventory everywhere? Have you seen people kind of switch to a different product? Anecdotally, I think we see some variances in that type of product from month to month. Here in Regina, we seem to run a fairly consistent 80-20 rule and ratio in terms of, you know, that single family or detached type of property as opposed to condominium. And I think that, you know, given the constraints around, you know, some of the pricing or the ability for first-time home buyers or people to purchase, you know, I think we have seen some activity pick up in apartment style and, you know, perhaps, you know, the two-story townhouse type condominiums. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. 
And then how does the city, so every city in Alberta has a different take on illegal suites. Uh, so, and that's usually a play. Most investors are going to look for a property likely with an illegal suite and then try to legalize it over time, right? Uh, if they can, and obviously it depends on the cost. How does Regina view an illegal suite? Well, I think that for quite a few years, they were cracking down on illegal suites in the city. I, you know, obviously they pose certain challenges for the city in terms of safety and just tax collection, I guess. I think we've seen some shifts or some changes in that in terms of the city administration and how they view that. And I think that combined with the fact that we have, you know, lower inventory, we're having challenges with you know, lower income homes and housing in the city. I think that, uh, you know, they've really changed their view on trying to allow some of that to go on intensification in certain areas of the city. And so they're definitely moderating their view of that and encouraging that type of activity, both in construction of lower, lower income homes, as well as, you know, additional add-on suites, garage suites, laneways, those types of things. Yeah, for sure. It seems like most cities are kind of, because of the uh, lack of, I guess, properties available for even renters and that kind of thing, they're starting to encourage densification for sure. Yeah, well, I think it happens in most cities or urban centers. You just get so widespread. And the challenge then is that you've got, you know, lack of that type of housing from the core out. So you've got to start putting people back into it. For sure. And then, you know, every city kind of has quadrants that, you know, and then people kind of almost view them differently or, you know, they have a different product or maybe a different price point. Is Regina kind of laid out that way where you have, you know, uh, can you kind of give us a high level of like what that looks like? Yeah, for sure. I guess if I was going to try to communicate that, then, uh, you know, there's certain areas of the city that obviously it's such an individual preference. Uh, Certainly the south end of the city is fairly predominantly sought after. A lot of older areas that have you know, specific styles or types of homes, everything from mid-century modern to, uh, you know, new development in our southwest core. You know, you've got uh, those intensification programs that I've talked about kind of up into the center part of the city. We have our cathedral area, you know, it's kind of known as an arts type of a funky area, so, but a lot older homes. So people like those types of areas. The north, we have this thing in Regina where you're either north of what we call Dudney or south of Dudney. And so it's just a, you know, it's just a longstanding kind of, a, you know, north of the tracks or south of the tracks thing. <laughs> We've got growth in all areas of the city. Our northwest corner or northeast corner is, you know, primarily that uh, industrial type area. Our upgrader is up there. And uh, so that's not necessarily a, you know, a huge residential type area, but the uh, southeast corner is, uh, you know, growing substantially. The eastern corridor along the number one highway, that's where the bypass road ties in. There's a lot of growth and construction going on down in that southeast corner of the city. But between the southeast corner and the south area of the city is where that, you know, university type area is in and around the park is always a popular place as well. So you know, lots of great areas, that's for sure. So the university more kind of central, south central, is that what it would be then in between the two? You know, I find working with clients, you know, it's such an individual choice, but I think most people are happy with being in that south to south central. There's, you know, there's some areas in the core where they need some work in those areas and some updating a lot of older homes and uh, maybe some difficult parts of the city. Yeah. So Calgary, we also have quadrants and a different story for each quadrant and a price point. But within those quadrants, you almost have to 
drill down to the street as well, right? And so like yeah. when you're working with somebody, you go three streets over, you got a very different product and a very different price point. You know, you yeah. cross a busy road in that quadrant and there's just a variety of products and price points. It's a generalization on quadrants for sure. Yeah, if I was doing a comparison, you know, here in Regina, we don't see, you know, massive infrastructure and home developments like what you see in Calgary and Edmonton. Certainly we've had, you know, our own version of those. So those are always popular because they're new areas. But um, certainly you see, you know, if you took your classic bungalow homes, there's, uh, you know, certainly a lot of different price points across the city. So you really need to know those points. Yeah, 100%. It makes such a difference what community it's in. Um, Yeah, for sure. How about, do you see much for, say, duplexes, fourplexes, that kind of thing being sold? Is there much product like that available? There is some of it available. There seems to have been kind of an influx of that type of product being sold, specifically over the last few years. And I think it really attributes to the fact that, you know, the, uh, the market was good here and people were looking for that type of product. You know, again, with inventory levels being down, there's not a huge amount of it out there right now, but there's also always a little bit. There's not a huge amount of it. It seems like it's a fairly stable market. And so to see an increase in the amount of properties of that nature for sale over the last you know, couple of years is a little bit abnormal. Yeah, yeah. And what would you say is it being an attractive property in Regina for a real estate investor? Well, I think anytime you can make the numbers work for you, if, you know, if you can get into a uh, good solid building, you know, a 68 sweeter that's going to make sense for you in terms of dollars and cents. Most of the people that are renting out were landlords to single family properties seem to own quite a few of them. So, you know, if you don't, I don't know how that really works for you. But, you know, the six to eight sweeters seem to be popular. The larger units that are, you know, say 12 to 18 units or 24 units those seem to be you know fairly difficult to find and hard to get your hands on to they're great safe investments so here we don't see a lot of six and eight type sweeters or six to twelve it seems to be like the duplex that would you'd convert into a fourplex kind of thing or it's already an existing fourplex you know and maybe in poor condition that needs to be renovated that kind of thing for an investor to move on it I think it's comparative. I mean, for our city, I'm sure there's lots of it, but, you know, there's lots of, uh, you know, side-by-sides, duplexes, fourplexes. And when I say six to eight sweeters, you know, there's not a huge commodity of those, but, you know, there's always a few around. So I think that in terms of an investor starting off somewhere here, that's where you'd need to be to, you know, to make the numbers work. Yeah, for sure. Are you seeing the days on market also increase now with just, or I guess it depends on the product, right? Some are off the market right away, but have you seen any sort of trends that way? Yeah, I think we've seen a nominal increase in days on market. I think our, uh, you know, our months of supply still hovers around that, you know, three and a half months of supply somewhere in there over, uh, you know, a six month average. And our absorption rate seems to be about 27% as well overall for residential product here in the city. So obviously that's just the measure of, you know, product coming to market and how quickly it's being absorbed. So both are indicative of, you know, a fairly active market still for sure. Yeah. Any predictions on what the spring market could look like in 2023? Well, I think that historically, you know, the spring market is always active because, you know, that's, you know, people are coming out of winter and we historically see significant increase. I'm sure Calgary does as well in terms of the number of listings that come available as well as buyers that want to get out and get moving, you know, over that summer period. So I'm expecting that we're going to see a normal increase to 
the amount of listings that come to market. And I expect to actually see a fairly steady you know, market in terms of where it's been, meaning that it's going to be an active spring market and product is probably going to sell as quickly as it comes to market. And again, driven mainly around that lack of supply. Yeah. And obviously, if it's a quality product price rate, it's going to move fast. Yeah. You know, I think if you look overall, like in Regina right now, we have just over 800 listings, which is, you know, very little historically. I think it's probably our lowest number that we've had in for sure over 10 years. We know the markets are very similar and how they've kind of pulled back. What do you see as some challenges on the horizon in the real estate world and maybe some opportunities? Well, I think challenges for people are for real estate people. I mean, in terms of investing and, uh, you know, purchasing real estate, challenges on the horizon is going to continue to be identifying product that is something that you would look to purchase and, you know, getting your head wrapped around the value. And I think Anytime that you're looking at a different center or a different city in terms of making an investment, I think the challenge is even greater in that you really need to know the value of the product that you're buying. I guess, you know, without being comfortable with the product, it's impossible. So I was thinking, you know, just going back to what we were saying about the quantity of uh, listings available at only having 800 listings available, those properties that are on the market right now, a lot of them are already challenged with condition and location or pricing. So it's almost like anything that's coming over and above that now, it almost seems like that's the lowest number that we could be in certain areas of the city. There's just like, you know, nothing available for people. Yeah. And so yeah. challenges will be the same in terms of, you know, identifying property that's good value, good location. Those challenges never seem to go away. Obviously interest rates and where they go, hopefully we've seen the end of the increases and I think for investors and buyers, just trying to determine, you know, what is the best situation for them in terms of, you know, what they're putting down or what they need to borrow and whether it's that fixed term or variable rate or, you know, how to mitigate the next few years in terms of making that investment. It's interesting. Like, you know, I've heard multiple conversations about whether to go fixed or a variable at this point in time. Yeah. I personally, I think I might lock in on a short-term fix. I don't think I would ride variable, but I certainly wouldn't go into a five-year fix at this point because I I do yeah. feel interest rates should start to come back hopefully down in, in the next little while. Yeah, yeah. No, and that makes sense for sure. And, you know, I think that's the key is it's such an individual thing depending on, you know, the buyer and the investor. So, you know, for myself, I would probably be tempted to ride the variable rate, you know, at this point, kind of hoping that it's, you know, if it's going to go up, it's not going to go up too much more and trying to take advantage of, you know, what might be some short-term pain if uh, rates start to drop off again. But, you know, again, each to their own on that one. And Variable does offer some interesting products like uh, interest-only payments, that kind of thing. And historically, Variable's done better. And I think that's why a lot of people didn't switch to fix back when, you know, interest rates were low. Because you look at the history, it's like Variable's always done better. And obviously now people that lock in are doing better in the short term anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So you can imagine the $500,000 buyer who wants to put 5% down. I mean, that's just, you know, that's an absolute impossibility at these rates, especially with a fixed or closed term. Yeah, exactly. It's an interesting time, for sure. Yeah, I think the opportunities are endless. And I think certainly for, you know, Regina and our local area, I think that there is massive opportunities for uh, developers and builders and, you know, looking at, uh, you know, optimizing some of these ways or means of uh, intensifying, you know, the downtown areas, adding suites. I think there's a lot of property that would be opportune to convert to a multiple unit for sure. 
And any idea, can you speak to the rental market right now, the vacancy rate, that kind of thing? If someone does, you know, have a property to rent, are they getting like multiple applicants? I think the last number I saw was uh, about that three to 4% vacancy rate. So I think historically, that's probably, you know, pretty common for us here. I think that we're also seeing an, you know, a decrease in vacancy with the properties becoming more expensive. I think, you know, a lot of people have gone to rentals and we've also seen an increase in in the rents here as well as a result, which again, I think is, you know, fairly normal for a market like this. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have rent controls? Like uh, I know Ontario does, Alberta doesn't. We can increase no. our rents. Yeah, no rent control here. I know there's been, you know, lots of discussion about it and I think they've tried it a few times, but you know, there's some challenges to that for sure. Yeah. And how about land transfer tax? No land transfer tax here. And uh, sure hope they don't come with that's for sure. <laughs> you know, that's a big appeal to actually Saskatchewan yeah. and Alberta is the yeah. no property transfer tax, the no rent controls, right? And that's why we're seeing a lot more Ontario people and BC people come to Alberta. And I'm sure you're probably seeing that in Saskatchewan as well. Yes. Yeah, there's definitely an influx of people that, or it sounds like coming from those types of areas. I think the you know, the cautionary tale there is this is not Toronto or or mainland Vancouver. So it's a completely different environment. And while opportunity might exist for, you know, investing, I think that uh, obviously it's a yeah, different fabric for sure. Yeah. How common are acreage properties there? Like, is it a pretty common product? Yeah, I think so. You know, again, I'm just trying to think comparatively. I mean, acreages are fairly prevalent within, you know, that 20 minute drive of the city. I know there's several developments where there's, um, you know, fairly extravagant type homes being built on, you know, three to, I think we have a couple that are, you know, half acre parcels, but we've got several developments that are in that three to five acre range with uh, really nice walkout style homes on them and uh, you know minutes from the city so it becomes pretty popular and they seem to sell fairly quick as well uh, even at the higher price point yeah i bet if i was moving from a big city i mean i could see the appeal to getting three to four acres and a bit of space right yeah Yeah. well it's uh, we've got lots of land that's for sure yeah yeah okay uh well thanks for the great chat and i'm just going to hit you with some quick response kind of rapid fire type questions so what's an app or software uh, you use for either business or personally that you couldn't live without yeah, you know, I thought of that. I can't really think of anything better than good old Google. I like Google and Google Notes, Google Gmail, Google Keep. I keep all my stuff pretty centralized with that. So I couldn't live without that. Nice. And then actually that kind of leads into my next question. So if someone Googled you, what can't they find out about you on Google? Oh, well, uh, if they watch this podcast, they'll find out that I'm not a great speaker. Uh, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert and, uh, you know, sort of a little bit reclusive as well. But uh no, absolutely like being around friends and family and fun times, that's for sure. Nice, that's awesome. And then how about a favorite book or movie? Well, I thought about books. Books, you know, I'm kind of a self-help type of a junkie, but I'm a Tom Ferry podcast fan, and I, I love reading biographies and autobiographies, more nonfiction than fiction, that's for sure. Yeah, I should read more of those. I think I could be inspired by I don't read enough of them. Yeah, you know, whether it's, you know, I like kind of a junkie for all of, you know, Keith Richards biographies and Waylon Jennings and all that kind of stuff. So just reading about those guys is pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what kind of activities, things you do with your downtime outside of real estate? You know, family, friends, you know, I like to be uh, out anywhere on road trip with my wife and, uh, you know, fishing and and uh, just the great outdoors. So one of my favorite times is uh, the weekly boys only fishing trip up North Saskatchewan. So that's what we do here. 
Fine. And what, what kind yeah. of, is it pike? What are you going for? Walleye? Uh, well, what we go for and what we get are two different things. But yeah, we like to go fish uh, walleye and end up with a lot of pike. But uh, if you know <laughs> how to clean them, they're good eating too. Nice. That's awesome. I used to actually love fishing. I was on the river all the time before and I've kind of gotten away from it for more backcountry camping, but... Yeah, I, I hear you, especially where you live. Definitely. When I lived in, uh, you know, High River, you know, spent a lot of times uh, fly fishing on the rivers in and around Calgary and High River area. Yeah, me too. I had a small jet boat. I had designed like a drift boat. So it had yeah. the oars, outboard motor. You can go up and down the river, fish all the spots. It was very camp, cool. Camp with the kids. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, yeah. And then you get busy and do this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay, and then how about for our listeners who want to get a hold of you? What's the best way for them to find you online? Google me, just uh, you know, Jason Cassette or Regina Realtor. I'm with Sutton here, so I'm easy to find. And if they just uh, Google my name or my website, JasonCassette.ca, they'll find me. Okay, are you on Instagram? Instagram, Facebook, uh, everything but uh, the TikTok dancing thing. So, <laughs> okay, and there'll be links in the show notes as well. So. Hey, yeah, for sure. I, I run a, I got a little bit of a YouTube channel going and all kinds of stuff. So awesome. Well, yeah. thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it and getting the market kind of overview of Regina today. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you some more. Awesome, man, for sure. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment-focused real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta. I'm also an entrepreneur, Red Seal electrician, and I hold a Master Home Inspection Certification. If you're thinking about investing in the Calgary area, please reach out and let me put my real estate expertise to work for you. I can be reached at 587-893-2272. Follow me on Instagram at PeckfordCorey, or my website is CoreyPeckford.com. Plus, we have a Facebook group. It's Calgary Real Estate Investing Group, so Craig for short please follow that. If you're getting great value from this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.